0: Hey, worship leaders and teams, so good to be with you today, and great to be with you, Tim.
1: Yeah, glad glad that you're here, Dave, and it's awesome to uh, be recording and being a part of the podcast today. Um, It feels like we actually never officially even got this whole thing started. We kind of Facebooked and jumped in, and then um, we have just recently, we made a couple videos, but just recently we finally got email addresses for Worship Leader Toolbox. So this is like really like a homegrown thing but one of these days we'll have to make it official get some actual photos or something like that yeah probably not today though because I just woke up yeah I got stuff to do too
0: so (laughs) we will have to do that until then we're going to jump into today's podcast the purpose of today's conversation is to focus on leading and good performance will follow Welcome to the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast, where our mission is to equip local church worship leaders and teams in practical components of local church leadership. We'd be honored to have you share, rate, or subscribe. And if you have questions, we'd love to connect at worshipleadertoolbox.com. We're thrilled to have you listening to our podcast, and our prayer is that it's helpful to you and your ministry team. Let's head now to today's episode. Place your focus on edifying the church, helping the congregation connect with God, and pointing towards Jesus in all you do and sing. As we do this, we will be focused on leading the church in worship. And you know what? Great performance will follow. A desire
1: to lead well always brings about joy, excellence, and authentic engagement. Yeah, and the flip side is not always true. The desire to perform doesn't automatically bring about great leadership in worship. In fact, it sometimes can be a barrier, and so that's really why we have to... uh, Make sure that we are at our heart trying to lead and and then allow the performance to follow so that we're not a hindrance and so that our primary concern isn't stage, sound, style, and skill. I just saw a quote that said something like, uh, if you seek revival, you will try to make it happen. But if you seek Jesus, then revival happens. Hmm. And it's kind of that way for this. If you're seeking to perform well, then it's going to be difficult to help lead the congregation. But if you seek to lead the congregation and engaging with Jesus and encounter in a the presence, then you're going to be able to perform well because your performance is coming out of your desire to serve in the church and lead in the church. So it's really a balance for sure. And you know, the best heart, you know, kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth, the best heart for God and ministry in the world, you'll still have trouble leading if you don't have some level of ability in vocal or instrumental or stage presence. But Still, your heart has to be thinking about leading and serving the church first, and then you can see what happens as your church unfolds in that. Nice. Uh, I was on a, um, a worship, um,
0: Facebook uh, page and the, 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 one question was, Hey, um, I get off the stage and then everybody's congregating and greeting each other and everything. And nobody wants to talk to me. And, uh, the advice that was given to that person was, well, leaders go first You're the one that needs to go and talk to to people. I like that that phrase, leaders go first. Yeah, definitely. That's good. To lead is to be a servant. Here are some ways we serve from an angle of leading worship. Invite and involve others to develop their gifts.
1: The overarching view of uh, the role at church for any worship leader is really from Ephesians 4 to equip the saints and build up the body. And this is a little difficult for the worship departments in most churches because most congregations are hire you know, are, are counting on the worship leader, musician person to kind of be the hired gun and really make things hum. And this has been that way for, you know, as long as I've been around every little church sort of paid the pianist type mentality. Mm-hmm. And so now we sort of pay the often the worship leaders, or at least name a key worship leader in some fashion. And so, um, the, the idea of those leaders, Not just being there just to play the guitar, but to be there to actually help equip the saints and and develop the church to a place where there's giftedness and acknowledgement of giftedness for people to be a part of it. One time I heard that every church has what and who they need to make that church go. And it's just a matter of uncovering those people because too many people are just kind of bench warmers thinking that they're doing a service to God by showing up and they're not like totally willing to say everything is yours type thing. But how how do you think we should, uh, help others develop? Do you think we should have some,
0: uh, some seminars, some books, or just maybe some conversations about, Hey, what do you feel like your calling is? And how can we help you with that?
1: Yeah. Well, I know, I know that I focus on this a lot of podcasts. There's a good chance we've already said something along these lines, but since people forget things, we'll just keep saying it, (laughs) I forget things, but, um, there is there, what you just mentioned, all those ways are possible, whatever it is, it's got to be natural. So mm-hmm. the things that I've gotten feedback on after all these years in worship ministry are people saying, thank you for letting me sing that song. I, I was so scared. And then, then you pulled me in and told me I had to do it. I did it. Yeah. Or thank you for having me, uh, open in prayer. I've never actually prayed aloud in front of people, but you, you just invited me to do it and acted like it was totally normal. So I did. And so some of it's just the authentic sort of desire to, uh, not. Be the one-man show not to have you know to have more voices and more people connected and involved and then the other part is is that um there is some time investment so like there's no way around that and if you're planning on teaching everybody all the instruments and trying to orchestrate all the planning and all the stuff then it you're probably not going to get very far in that so somehow you have to find the team around you who is willing to help get those things going And, and what I mean by that is if you're going to teach seventh graders how to play guitar, you probably need to have some people help you teach them Mm because you're not going to have enough time unless you have nothing else going on in life. And then that works well too, Mm -hmm. depending on the season of life. So I guess it's just a mix of, you know, books, take them to a conference or another church now and then just to be inspired to some degree, give them opportunities. That's like the freest, cheapest thing to do. Just say, go out Mm -hmm. there and try it. It's like that movie long time ago. I can't remember the title of it and I don't even know if I watched it. My brother just always says it, but it was a guy getting into a boat and the, the other guy's like, Hey, I think there's a hole in this boat. Is it going to sink? And then the the captain's like, uh, we won't know if it's going to sink till we're out there. <laughs> so <laughs> but basically you just have to have that mentality to some degree. Not every single Sunday has to be, uh, you know, so perfectly scripted that you don't have space for somebody who is at 70% of the skill level to take part. Mm-hmm and um and then just in general know that your job is to kind of do that so you're singing songs but you're also inviting people to learn tech learn sound learn all that stuff
0: yeah it used to be growing up uh you had the organist or pianist or, or even if you had a band you had the band and then you had the little children that would come up once a year for christmas or maybe another mm-hmm. holiday and those were the two different classes of people in their giftings and Today, I do see a whole lot more, and I, I really want to encourage more to have not those two classes, but a whole spectrum in between. Maybe you got um, some teenagers, maybe you got some college people, maybe you got um, a guy who's 55 years old and just learned to play guitar last year, and he's you know coming along, and, and uh, I think
1: all of it, I want all of it. Definitely. There's a, there's an episode on our Worship Leader Toolbox here from several um, episodes back where a guy named Lonnie Trimble, who... I think since has stepped down from his role and retired, but he had a youth band and the youth band was the older kids who were, who were played longer and led longer were in the front. But any kid who played any instrument could be in the back row. Nice. <laughs> so they didn't plug them in. They just nice. all in the back row and he, he called it the worship mob because nice. it was just like, you know, 16 or 18 kids up there doing it. Yeah. And so that's what you're talking about. Like having that spectrum of like, yeah is that you want expectations in your worship ministry, and so you know sometimes it sounds like we might be confusing people because you know there there is a point where the presentation from the stage is the congregation's only connection to the the worship time yes, and so if you have a kid up there singing. Jesus loves me playing piano and they've only had lessons for two weeks. Yeah. And you do it every single Sunday, yeah. you're gonna have a problem. That could be bad. But you've gotta somehow begin to work that stuff in so that people can participate and grow and experience and have their gifts awakened. Yes. Number two, care for your volunteer team. And these first couple really aren't um necessarily even the the main things of how you lead, but this is a foundational aspect to growing the area of leading worship to start by caring for your team. And so we just never want to forget that they are uh, they're part of the church, they're God's children, they're disciples, and the whole ministry grows in a compassion from the stage when that team is being nurtured and cared for as people and then as worship band members. I don't mind the word volunteer because I totally understand it and I'm thankful for people who do volunteer. But sometimes the word volunteer, when it's thrown around too much, starts to get under my skin mm-hmm. because these people, they are volunteering their time. But they are more than volunteers. They are mm-hmm. worship leaders. They're worship team members. They're, they're like helping the church move in that direction and to experience God. And so I don't very often refer to just all my people as like all my volunteers. I mean, <laughs> I just don't say that very often. But I don't mind if people do. But I do want to care for them. So we are helping to lead people we love. And we're leading the whole church in that. And if your worship team is going to lead the whole church in love, then they are going to have to get a sense of being led in love by the worship leader or the staff person or the key leader or whoever that is. And um, and here's just a couple examples that if you're always talking bad about your church or your leadership or the situation or your, your pastor or whoever's in charge, there's a good chance you're never going to really truly be able to lead it all. So caring for your team will in turn mean caring for the church which brings about the best motive for leading worship in general to help them connect with Jesus. And the way I heard it most succinctly once was you can't sing over the people you don't love. Mm. So that's like a, uh, that all fits together.
0: That's good. Number three,
1: do the hard work of organizing. Yeah. And this came from a book called the E-Myth and the E-Myth Revisited, maybe it's an old book, but it has tons of stuff in it. And the gist of it is, and we don't have much on the script here, just one line, but if you organize <laughs> the work, the people will respond and take their share. But if you feel overwhelmed in worship ministry and you run around saying, oh, I've got to lead the church, how are we going to do it? And you're like, oh, this is just terrible, so, so much to do. And you feel overwhelmed and you're not sure you don't have people scheduled or you're not sure what people's giftedness is or are, you, know, or, 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 you know, all that stuff, then they're never going to have an entry point to step in. Mm-hmm. So if they don't have an entry point, there's no way they're ever going to be able to help you. So part of the job of the worship leader is to do the hard work of organizing the work and the entry points and the the framework for people to be a part of it. So some of that is just the simple stuff like the right times and the right songs, the right keys, the right charts. That's like that's like the the essence of good rehearsals. And if you have a habit in life of you know saying you're going to stop at seven thirty, but you don't stop till eight fifteen. You're not going to build trust and respect, and you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to organize the work for people. So if you're going to start rehearsal at seven, you start at seven, and if the the culture is to end at eight fifteen, then you stop at eight fifteen. Doesn't matter what's going on, mm-hmm. and that's going to help people in the future. Practice quick mm-hmm. and and do whatever. And I think some people just equate the idea of uh, you want to be relational, you don't want to be ridiculous with us, but some people equate oh we we sat around talking for two hours, mm-hmm. well. That's a neat story now and then, but for some of the people that was annoying. And so you want to end and then talk. And that's the way it is at our, our church. We kind of have a end time. The end time comes, everybody stands around a little bit. A few people have to get home because of kids and whatnot. And some people sit around for an hour or two after that talking. And so there's a, a culture of that, but there's also the hard stop. And so that's just one little tiny slice to organizing the work. And, um, and that, yeah, that E-Myth book, I, I probably should get a link for that because that'd be helpful for any leader to read. Are you saying the word, the letter E and then yeah, M-Y? myth Smith? Okay. M-Y. And I can't even remember exactly why it's called the E-Myth, but it, I think I read the E-Myth Revisited, which is like the second one. I might've read both, but that's the one thing I've always remembered from it. Did you read them all the way through? Yeah, those. Those, okay. Yeah. Cause I remember the conversation we had a while back about how you read fifty-two books a year. Yeah, my goal is read fifty-two books a year. Most of them that I write down on my list of fifty-two books, I more or less read all the way through. Oh, okay, but then there's some books that I just read a while, and I'm like, wow, I, I really I got the gist of that, and then I just kind of yeah. read all this titles and you know, yeah. go to the end and kind of read it. But usually, I just look for one good thing that I can keep. I don't yeah. try. I don't try to. You, read it because I'm trying to read it. I'm trying to get something good. You're not trying to write a paper on it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not trying to write a paper. You're just trying to get some. And if it doesn't click, I just just get rid of it. Yeah, that's good. I like <laughs> it.
0: I, I feel like the responsibility of like, I got this book. I guess I have to read the whole thing. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I felt that too. Especially if I buy it. That's the all oh, right. Yeah, yeah spend money I, on. It? If I get it at the library, yeah, I can just sit it there and let it sit two weeks and take it back and not even care. That's good. Number four, humbly assist and partner with your pastor. I don't know if you I know that you are in a smaller church, Dave, so I don't know how this works for connecting with your pastor. I know that everybody does it differently. So you have to let me know what that is. But one thing I do know is that pastors need input. Mm-hmm. And you're both sharing this role every week, whether you're a paid or volunteer worship leader, and um you're basically a tag team in a sense to to uh, create opportunities for the church to grow spiritually. And so there ought to be this freedom and frankness in the pastor worship leader relationship to be able to give feedback and suggestions and give freedom, Mm -hmm. both directions to do what needs to be done. And, um, I read a book once, not that I have to keep referencing books, but it was called, uh, in search of Timothy, Mm -hmm. like pastors need their Timothy, Mm -hmm. like Paul had Timothy. Mm -hmm. And if you feel called to be a Timothy, then be content in that, and don't don't sit around trying to usurp that. Or you know, mm-hmm. the pastor says around our church every once in a while, "Hey, let's do this song." It just happened actually this week. We uh, are, are doing a new song that he wanted us to do, and and he told us in advance it wasn't like the week before. But sometimes it's been the week before. But everybody's learning it. Everybody's trying to figure it out. And in the meeting, we have enough of a culture where I'm able to say, "We got to learn this one for sure because Pastor Andy wants it." <laughs> so like <laughs> we just do our best to do whatever it is, and. um and, and another thing with this in terms of partnering with the pastor is we don't want to blame the lack of effective or dynamic ministry on someone else. Like if you're having trouble, you know, getting the ball rolling in worship ministry, you want to reach out and you want to be a learner and you want to, you know, take advice and stuff, but you don't want to just assume that the reason it's not going well is because your pastor doesn't plan ahead or didn't preach very well or something like that. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of, uh, you want to just grow in a relationship with your pastor to the point where you're sharpening each other. And, And I know that that's tough for certain settings because if you're not full time in the office together, then it's difficult to figure out when Mm -hmm. that type of stuff takes place. Like when do you meet with your pastor? How do you? So first, when we first got there,
0: it was, uh, we did a zoom meeting with him on Mondays that was, that worked with our schedule and his, and we were pretty much building our, uh, relationship, building our dynamics and and how life is and everything, how how we want to run things. And, um, that came to a point where everything, all the kinks were worked out. We were in a good groove. And so we discontinued the Mondays, but we actually have homeschool co-op there on Thursdays. And so we still meet with him in a more casual way and have some coffee with him or whatever, because he's there and we're there. Yeah, And uh, that works out really well. And I think in our situation uh, with my schedule and, and uh, Leanne's schedule, it's, it's easy to do that. But I can see a lot of people who, uh, when they have different kinds of jobs than we have, uh, it would be hard to meet with the pastor on a weekly basis if you're not on staff, if you're not there every day. Yeah. So I think the intentionality would be, um, I, I would, I would expect, I expect maybe once
1: a month would be doable for, um, your average person once yeah. a week would be ideal, but, but at least once a month would be good. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a grandiose meeting. It can yeah. be phone call, check in mm-hmm. text. And there has to be a, a good two way communication going Yeah. and being there in person and having another event. That's like optimal, like just yeah. being able to sit around and chit chat and, And not feel like you got to call a meeting to order. I mean, it's best if you're able just to have a little balance of those. Yeah. So, and yeah, and when we do like big planning, when we're in the groove really well, the big planning meetings come before a series. Mm -hmm. It's like six weeks before a series. We'll say, Mm -hmm. okay, this is coming up. we got five weeks of this topic. These are what we're trying to do. These creative components. What are some songs? How are we going to make this flow? And then everybody has about six weeks to actually put that together. And theoretically, the series you're currently in during that you already have because yeah. you met six weeks before. Mm-hmm. And if you ever miss that groove, then you're like scrambling for a while and then you finally get back on the, on the track. But that
0: that's our groove too. It's six weeks out. Uh, he's got all his sermon, uh, uh, subjects and, and scriptures and everything. And then Leanne picks out all the songs for six weeks and I figure out the
1: keys and, and, uh, that's, that's our cycle too. Yeah, that's good. And you know, for anybody that any pastor that's out there, make sure that you are figuring out a way to talk with your worship leader on a regular basis. You don't want to leave them in the dark. And some, some pastors I know have the attitude, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. Well, that's kind of neat and cool and it can work, but it's a lot better if you feel like we're each taking part. Yeah. But I also know pastors are very busy and not that worship leaders aren't, but there's a different level and a different burden for the leadership of the church when you're a pastor. So my thought is always the worship leader ought to figure out the time to meet with the pastor, Mm -hmm. like be the one to say, Hey, do you have time this Tuesday at four o'clock? I mean, like. Be the one to set it up so you're not like, we've got to meet sometime. Let me know when. That's a terrible statement. Yeah, <laughs> like, That's just awful for a pastor. Number five, pray for your church. This is all geared toward the idea that we are leading people and then good performance will follow. And in fact, the performance part we hardly get to because if we do these things, then mm-hmm. we're going to be motivated as a team to actually do our best. And the performance side, the flow side, the spirit will be working in us and performance will happen. And so, and I, you know, pray for your church. I hate to say that you'll be surprised by the things that happen when we pray for the church, but basically you will. Like when a team or a worship leader and pastor, when we're praying together for the church, then um, there's just a, a lot of things that God can do through us that, that when we're not open in that way, it doesn't happen. And, in this day and age, and I say this because I run into this in my own life, we just often forget that there is power of ongoing and diligent and desperate and intentional prayer, and we are spending an inordinate amount of time checking on where the offering comes and if the lights are going to work and who's going to be doing the the worship announcements and who's going to be out there greeting and taking care of this table and that table, and what song we're going to play, and what happened to the lights and all this stuff that that has its place and it is important. But if we have like let that stuff fill every crack of our lives and we don't have time just to sit down during rehearsal or another time, just to pray that God will use our lives into place. The act of like praying and turning and trusting to God is, is pretty much the single key factor in the joy, contentment, growth, training, great songs, recruiting, discernment. Just the whole effect of ministry is going to be different when we are spending time praying. Amen. And I, I usually try to, um, you know, sometimes we'll actually gather around mm. and pray. Uh, we for sure pray at rehearsals and we pray on Sunday mornings. Sometimes we actually go to the altar and pray. Sometimes mm. I'll assign everybody a spot in the room to go pray on their own for mm. that next Sunday. But we always pray on Wednesday nights for the next Sunday. Good. So that's just like a, a little tidbit. So if you're not sure what to pray for. Pray you for that. you
0: mentioned uh the idea of being sort of dependent on the the lighting and sound and, and all those kind of things. Um, I love it when that stuff when when the carpet gets pulled out from underneath you, mm-hmm. uh, this past Sunday, it happened. Wh- whatever reason, there was a glitch or something, and all the lights, all all the sound, everything just went off for about, I don't know, probably 20 seconds or so, and then it came back on. And if, it, it, I'm sure you've had that experience for 20 or 30 years of leading yep. worship out there. Uh, it was immediately, it was, oh, wow, this just happened. Okay, we're all cappella now. <laughs> <laughs> And it was, it was wonderful. And it gave us like this sense of, okay, yeah, this is, this is actually why we're here. Mm-hmm. We could, we could just turn everything off on purpose if we wanted to yeah. and, and do this thing. I that like what that, that happens. is
1: funny. And and sometimes those are the things that cause you to pray, which is hilarious. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I've said this on the podcast, but I heard a guy just a couple of years back that said, I'm, and, and he was kind of just being crazy. And sometimes people could say things when you're not like guest speakers and stuff, but he's like, I'm not going to waste my prayers praying that the computer works. I'm praying for changed lives and souls. I'm not going to mess around with all this tech stuff. Like, no. <laughs> he never, he never <laughs> prayed the prayer before worship that, well, all the musicians did get the right notes. Like that didn't matter to him. He, yeah. wouldn't, he wouldn't pray in those prayers. He wasn't going to waste his time. And that's weird theology because the Lord, you know, if it matters to us, it matters to God. But yeah. it was just hilarious. And so I've, I've changed my prayer a little bit on Sundays. I sometimes pray for the tech needs and the nerves or whatever it is might be about music, but they'll say, but really our big prayer is this. Yeah. And so that's kind of a, what you were just saying. That's good.
0: Number six, sing the songs that connect with and help the
1: congregation engage. This is from a phrase I heard that just basically was sing the song that is in the heart of the congregation. And in the old days, you could kind of pop up there and, you know, pick a hymn number switch on the fly. Everybody Mm -hmm. had all the words these days. We don't have that in most settings in modern worship. We don't have that. You could, you know, rearrange the pro presenter and just do a different song if you really had to. But lately, I've just, over the last several years, I've just trusted that the Lord is at work in choosing the right song for the closing of the sermon or just before the sermon or whatever. But I do know that we can't base our song choices on the preference of the team because Mm -hmm. you've got to be thinking about the church. And as you do that, you're thinking in terms of leading worship and you're not thinking in terms of performing. If your band wants to do a certain song because it's so fun, Mm -hmm. then you don't want to, you know, say... Oh, now that you thought that was fun, I'm not gonna do it. Like we don't, we don't have to go to that extreme, but sometimes more often a praise band will think, Oh, that song's old. It's stale. We've done that a million times to them. It was, but to the congregation, it's just the right song. And so you have to basically do it because you are leading people. You're not just performing. Yeah. So that's all part of that. That, that
0: would make uh, a good podcast by itself is what do you do with all these songs that you who have practiced them five times that week already mm-hmm. and done it 14 times that year and have heard them all your life. And then somebody says, Hey, would you do this song? We haven't heard this in a long time. Yeah. You know, how do you deal with that?
1: That's really true. Well, there, you, yeah, we could definitely do a podcast on it and you don't want songs to get stale and like uninspiring for people. Yeah. And Jackson has some great phrases like that, and we need to get him on here. But yeah, he has great phrases like, you know, they got the, you got the moldy ones, and and the, <laughs> the some I can't remember what he says, but when to shelve them and when yeah. to sing them, and and he's got all his little like axioms. But um, there there is something to the the oddity of a group not being diligent and only going to the go-to songs and wearing everybody out. Like that's the other extreme of this. And when a new song is present, the worship band is a little more alive. Mm -hmm. So there's that aspect. So there's a lot of balancing of all this, but the main thing is, is when we're choosing songs, we have to think of the flow of worship and the connection of leading people more Mm -hmm. than the praise band being happy about that song choice. Because when people are connected, then people are happy in a praise band. And being like in traveling worship ministry, we do the same songs for two years, yeah, like pretty much the same set, <laughs> more or less for a couple of years, and then it's not like a new set in two years, it's more like a couple songs filter out and a couple songs filter in, and that's just a cycle for a couple of decades hmm. and And so the only thing that it keeps us inspired outside of just the opportunity to worship and sing is the interaction of the people singing mm-hmm. those songs, and so that's that's like dynamite, yeah. Number seven, stretch and challenge your people to grow. Well, encouraging people in your team to grow spiritually and to have like a servant heart and, uh, you know, investing a proper amount of time and music and rehearsal and all that stuff. We really just are seeking to stretch our people to have this culture around our worship ministry. We're here to engage the church and our job is to serve in the name of Jesus. And when we have Jesus and the church at the forefront of all the music stuff and all the other things, then that is why we are stretching our people to be the best they can. So I realize we're coming full circle here because we're getting back to the idea of performance, but, um, just not, not being willing to be stretched or to be challenged and just stick with the status quo. Isn't really a byproduct of a heart for the church. Mm -hmm. The heart for the church is that we want to, lead them, serve well, but um, that desire to do the best we can for Jesus is what's going to help us like um, do better in terms of ministry. And we already mentioned this, but how do you stretch and challenge? How do you like increase the effectiveness of your team? Mm -hmm. That's like just a lot of conversations, a lot of different options. Yeah.
0: Well, as far as the musicians go, the instrumentalists, um, I think that playing some songs that you would not play on a Sunday morning is a great thing to do. So um, I don't see a lot of worship songs that have lead guitar solos, mm-hmm. uh, the way that secular songs do. So it, I'm not going to promote, you know, Hey, let's play this devil music, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's some good stuff out there. That's not devil music. Uh, but, uh, jamming with that kind of thing and, and trying to do that, maybe even have a goal of like, okay, well the, the church picnic is coming up or the, mm-hmm. there's a, an event in, in the community. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, let's, let's play this event in the community, play these songs and, gaining those skills to be able to do those songs that you don't really know how to play right now. Yep. I think that'd be great for Millis. Yeah. It seems
1: like all the electric guitar stuff is just the opening riff and yeah. it's over, but there are ways that you can, uh, I mean, all you said is that's, that's good. Having songs that challenge you more than just the four chords. Yeah. But there are ways to, um, take songs and make them, you know, unique, like add something in that less people get excited. Yeah. And did we do the podcast on the opening jam we did, yeah. It's yeah. uh, last week or the week before is uh, that's an opportunity to get people to do instrumental stuff. It's yeah. a little bit unusual, yeah, because everybody's just doing it. Or if you can find instrumentalists around, either friends or church members or whoever that can ad lib on various instruments. Yeah, like for a long time we had a guy named Scott played trumpet, and it was it was wild. I mean, he could just stand up there, and he was an Air Force trumpet player, and he could huh. just stand up there and just play along, do intro riffs, anything you wanted. And he, wow. never, he never did anything. he just hear the song and then he just play along and then make it beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. he had to move out to Colorado. But then we've had a couple different saxophone players that could do that and cello and string players. Just, just some people that uh, they're not in the rotation every single week, but when they are, they're able just to spice it up. And then people are like, ooh, that's pretty. Nice. So,
0: Thanks for joining us today. If you have thoughts, please connect with email. Tim at WorshipLeaderToolbox.com dot com, or Dave at WorshipLeaderToolbox.com dot com, or on Facebook, Worship Leader Toolbox Community. We'd love to
1: have you join us there. Yeah, the Worship Leader Toolbox Community is kind of the group for the Worship Leader Toolbox, and I was just going through some of that this morning. And another shout out to Justin who set up our email addresses. So thank I you, Justin. I didn't even think of that until just the other day, and so all of a sudden it was done. <laughs> so it was really quick. And thanks for being here today, Dave. I, if anybody hears the bird, that's because we are recording the podcast today in beautiful Troy, Illinois, in our home where the, the little parakeet is chirping. <laughs> thanks to the parakeet. <laughs> well, thanks, y'all. Until next time, see you later, Dave. Bye-bye. You know, hey, let's play this
0: devil music. Yeah. <laughs>